0: Mm. All, right. All right, let's, uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, um, it's such a, a privilege to uh, come together to, uh, to worship you, to study your word. And um, Lord, we are truly unworthy to receive your word. God, we are so sinful, so bent to our own desires. God, I pray that you would help us to overcome those things, that you would enable us to, to put aside our sin, that we would devote our hearts to studying your word, to uh, understanding it rightly, and that we would be doers of your word, that we would be those who practice the things that we uh, that we read in the scriptures. God, that you would grant us wisdom, uh, that we would be able to rightly interpret. Uh, God, just to, that as we go through these studies that, uh, uh, just that your, your word would become more and more precious to us, that it would be more and more accessible to us, and that you would, uh, by your word, uh, sanctify us and uh, cause us to be conformed to the image of Christ. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, so we're continuing our study on how to study the Bible, um, just... Quickly to review um, we've talked about why it's important we've talked about the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting the Bible uh, we've talked about that the purpose of um, of our in-depth study is to find the meaning of the text uh, that principles we want to follow are identifying the genre um, see um, see how the the genre uh, affects the interpretation Um We want to uh, use all of Scripture because Scripture interprets Scripture, so we want to bring the whole counsel of God together. Uh, We want to be looking at the context uh, to see uh, what's being talked about, what is the flow of thought, how what we're reading fits into the larger context uh, to help us to understand um, the proper way to to interpret it. Uh, We talked about the original languages and the use of uh, multiple translations to try to Get past that language barrier we have as people who do not speak the original languages. Uh, We talked about the historical context uh, and just being aware of the uh, vast differences that come from, um, you know, hundreds to thousands of years ago and, you know, our modern day. Uh, Just many things that. Uh, have changed in the past, things that uh, were a part of their worldview, things that were a part of their common knowledge uh, that we just are so far removed from that we miss. Um, And so trying to be aware of those things to help us to properly interpret the Scripture. This morning we're going to talk about um, steps to studying the Bible. So we've talked a lot about lots of principles you use when you're uh, attempting to interpret things. Um, but this morning, I kind of want to just just lay out, like, okay, if I'm going to sit down and study the Bible, what should I do? How should I approach this? Um, and um, I've got four steps here. This isn't original to me, but it's... a uh, Um, Basically, it's a a good outline for how you should approach it when you're beginning to study the Bible. Um, So just to give you the four steps, um, the first one is preparation. So you want to prepare yourself uh, for studying. Uh, The second one is observation. So you're going to want to read the text and attempt to make observations about what you're reading. And then you want to actually go through the, the, the task of interpreting the text, um, trying to uh, draw out the proper meaning. And then finally, you want application. You want to say, how does this affect my life? What should I do in response to this text? Okay. So, um, so just as a broad outline,
1: that's really okay. kind of the way
0: that, um, that I would recommend you approach serious Bible study. So let's talk a little bit about preparation. Um, this is stuff that we've, that we've at least touched on in the past, but just to just to kind of lay some things out. Um, first, um, when we're preparing to study the Bible, we should, we should put away sin, and we should put on humility. Uh, James, in chapter 1 of his letter, uh, verse 21, he says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so there James is talking about the word of God, right? And he's kind of giving two directives as you are about to receive the word of God. And so what are those? What does he say? Says that, of course, I don't have the text in front of you. If you didn't, if you didn't turn to it, he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So that's the first thing he says is that we're to put away sin, because sin can really hamper our study of the scriptures, Um, particularly if there are things in our life that we uh, are doing or are not doing that, um, in some way, violate the law of God. Uh, it can be very difficult to read the Bible and actually take what it says, because um, it's going to be challenging us to, to change our lifestyle, and that can be very difficult. And so we can be very tempted to misinterpret the text, to uh, really just kind of gloss over it, um, if we are harboring sin in our hearts. And so... One thing that's very important as we go to study the scriptures is that we uh, is we really do attempt to remove as much as possible the sin from our lives um, and really try to just accept what the Word of God says. And the second one he says is that we receive with meekness uh, the Word implanted. So, um, you know, there's obviously a tendency in all of us to be very prideful, to think that we have things figured out, uh, to think that we know what's going on, um, but oftentimes what we see in Scripture uh, challenges us. It 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 uh, is something different than what we thought, something different than what we want to believe. Um, and we can, you know, we can look at it and say, "Oh well, surely it doesn't mean that because that would just that would just not go with what I already think." Um, what we need to do is we need to understand this is the Word of God. It's the final authority. We cannot be um, setting ourselves over the Word of God, but that we need to accept it with meekness. We need to say, okay, God's the authority, I'm going to accept what God says. So that's, um, that's a good start there for as far as how we are uh, preparing ourselves. Uh, We also should pray for understanding. Uh, I know we talked about this quite a bit when we were talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in interpretation.
1: Um,
0: In Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So there, Paul is he's praying for the Church of Colossae. Um, and what what is it that he's what is it that he wants for them? He wants them to grow in knowledge. Yeah, knowledge. Alright? And so does he just say, study really hard?
2: Yes.
0: Do you remember that, Bill? Well, he says he's praying for them. He's mm-hmm. praying for them, right? So it's it's really dependent on the work of God for them to grow in knowledge. It's not just an academic exercise where they study really hard, but they... Um, he is praying for them so that the Holy Spirit will work and enable them to grow in their knowledge. Um, and that's something that's... I mean, we should pray for one another in that respect, but we should also pray for ourselves. As we study, we should... Pray that God will give us understanding, um, because again, our sinful, darkened hearts are going to be just so bent toward um, misinterpreting things that we really need that assistance. No matter how you know how much you've studied, how many systematic theologies and commentaries you've read, and and how you know godly you think you are, there's still. There are still areas of your life that are just, it's just bent away from God. And you need God to really change who you are so that you submit yourself to what God says, to really understand it. Um, Back in James again, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And so there we are encouraged to pray for wisdom. And then finally, um, set your heart attitude. Um, I don't have a direct command here, but I have an example of somebody who did just that. Um, Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10, it says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And so there we see Ezra's dedication. Um, he didn't just set about to do it, but he set his heart to do it. He set his heart, his heart number one, to study the law of the Lord, right? So he was really dedicated to actually studying it, not just reading it flippantly, but really trying to understand it. And then what else did he set his heart to do there? I remember from when I read it. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. Right? So application there. He's not just reading it, but he's actually going to do it. And to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And so not only does he want to do it, but he wants to teach others. He wants other people to understand the word of God. And... uh, Teaching what we've learned is something that we are going to cover in the future. So so that, um, just putting aside sin, putting on humility, praying for understanding, setting your heart attitude, um, those are ways that you can prepare yourself for the study of the Word of God. And once you've done that, before you can really interpret it, you have to make observations. So, the first thing you want to do, obviously, is just read the text. Um, you know, that's that's something you can't skip. You can't just, you know, skim the text and say, oh, "I kind of get the general idea." You, you need to you need to read it. You need to pay attention to what you're reading. Um, but it can often be very difficult to pay attention to what we're reading. Um, and so, this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's. Uh, Hopefully, something that will be helpful as you attempt to make observations of the text. There's a whole series of questions that you can ask and things you can look for. Um, and if you have the handout, um, I've got them there so that when we do the exercise, you can you have those things in front of you. Um, but ask questions as you read, and I mean, if you're studying, you're probably ought to write these things down. Not um, just to say, okay, I noticed that, but you know, make a note of it. Um, so, number one, who?
1: Um,
0: who are the people involved? I mean, it might be as simple as, okay, there's, you know, the apostle that's writing, and there's his audience, his his implied audience, because he's writing a letter. So it might be as simple as just those two people, um, just the the author and the person that's being written to. But it might be something that's a lot broader, where there are various people being discussed in the text. There might be interactions between people, um, so you want to make a note: who are the people that are involved, um,
2: and then the question: what? Um, so you look:
0: what's going on? What are the actions? What are people doing? Um, and you have question: where? What's what's the location, um, or the locations, just depending on what you're reading, um, and you know. Some of these might not necessarily apply to the particular text you're looking at. But these are good questions that, that you should be bringing to whatever text you're looking at. And just see if you have anything you can observe. Um, next is when. Um, so when did it happen? Um, or when is this talking about? Um, and so it would be the time. And that's particularly in relation to other events. I mean, like the time of day might matter. But uh, a lot of times, what's more important is How does this relate to other events? Is this something talking about uh, the far future? And so it's making some uh, predictive prophecy or some warning about what we should do in the future or something like that. Um, Is it talking about something uh, that's present to the text, uh, where it's describing the actions of Jesus? Is it something uh, from the remote past, where they're calling to mind things that God has done in the past? If you're looking at something in the Gospels, uh, something that can definitely come up is like, okay, when Jesus said this, what had happened in the chapters before? You know, what, what, what are the the background things that like the people he's speaking to would know because they've already had this other interaction. Uh, and then the question of why. Um, so it can be things like causes, intentions, motivations. It's like, um, why is this person doing this? What, what were the things that led up to this? What, what are they hoping to gain by doing this? Um, so you can ask those questions, and that should give you some insight to the text. So those are kind of you know, just your basic questions, right? I mean, probably all learned these in school, right? You know, the who, what, where, when, and why. Um, those are those are just good questions to approach the, the text with. Um, and then you have things you want to look for that aren't necessarily questions, but just things you want to note as you're going through it. Um, so key words. Is there some, some word that just really seems to, to stand out to, to have great importance in the text? Um, key subjects, uh, people, topics, things like that. Um, Look and see, are there any commands in this text? Uh, Look and see, are there any warnings in this text? Those are things that we we definitely see in Scripture repeatedly. There are places where the Bible gives us commands. You look at the Ten Commandments, you've got commands very clearly. Um, And and in that text, you have warnings. There are warnings in the Ten Commandments. Um, And in various other places in the text of Scripture. Um, if you see repeated words or phrases, that's definitely something to note. Um, often, it's very significant when a particular word is repeated or a particular phrase is repeated. Um, if you see lists of things, um, that's something to note as well, and that's something you can do a particular study on. It's like, well, why were these things included in this list? Is there is there a particular order to this list, or is it just a collection of things, or you know, all sorts of things you can ask ask about lists. But if you see a list of things, Uh note that. Um, Are there comparisons in the text? That's something else you can look at. Uh, That's something you very frequently find in scripture, is where things are compared to each other. Uh, Might be to show the similarities. similarities. It might be to show the differences. Uh, If you see questions and or answers in the text, uh, note those things. and anything that's unusual or unexpected.
1: Um, if you
0: spend much time reading the Bible, you will often come across things that is like, wow, I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not what you would generally expect to happen here. Uh, or so that's not what you would expect somebody to say here. Why did they say it that way? Uh, I mean, I, I know, like, particularly if you're, if you're reading Paul's letters, you know, then you can be reading and following his flow of thought, and then suddenly he says something, and, and you're like, I don't, I'm not sure how, why he said that there. And then, I mean, that can be very fruitful as you, like, really take note of that and start asking your question, start asking the question, why did he say that there? I didn't expect that. What were the things going on in his head that caused him to say that? And it can really unlock a lot of things in the text uh, if you can if you can search those things out. Um, you also want to note verb tenses. Uh, I think we've mentioned that in the past, but I mean, the tense can be very important. Um, is this past, present, future? Uh, you can, you can learn a lot by seeing that face, and then just relationships between words. I mean, that's just
1: kind of, you know,
0: basic grammar stuff. You know, what's the subject? What's the object? You know, things like that. Um, but note those things, um, and it will be very helpful as you study the scripture. And as you're as you're doing these things for observation, um, take your time. The longer you look, the more you're going to discover. Um, We're going to have a little exercise where you get to do some observation in a relatively short text, Um, and I don't think we're going to observe everything that could be observed in that text in the time that I'm going to give you. So, um, you know, and obviously, the bigger the the passage of scripture, even the more that's the case. So there's just some some good. some some good things to be looking for, and some questions to ask um, as you um, attempt to make observations of the text. Any questions about any of that before we move on to interpretation? So what's Saul
2: asking him to do? Yeah. All right.
0: So interpretation. I mean, we've talked a lot about this throughout various lessons, um, but. You're looking at the text, start asking interpretive questions. Um, and I mean we've kind of talked about that a little bit already in just in observations, but, but it is technically a different thing where you're in observation, you're really more just trying to say what's there and what should I be paying attention to. Um, but when you're asking interpretive questions you might be asking like well, what's the important of a particular word, what's the important of a particular phrase? What's the importance of a name that's given? Uh, What's the importance of a time reference? You know, the really, like, why is this thing here? Why did the author of this particular text I'm looking at include this information here? Why was it important to them? Um, What's the meaning of a particular word? That's where you really dive into your your word studies and, you know, look up the the definition and try to to come to a clear conclusion um, about what the meaning of a particular word is, especially if it's a word that has a disputed meaning. Um, Why did the writer say this? Um, What is the context? You know, we had a a whole lesson on on looking at context. Um, what is the context? Pay close attention to that because it's it's just absolutely vital.
1: Um,
0: and what's the implication of this word, phrase, or name? Um, there you're you know you're going beyond what is explicitly stated, and and you're asking the question, what's implied here? What what can we infer from what's being said? Um, and then also, how does the culture of the author affect things? Uh, there, that's the historical context we've talked about. Um, don't just read it as if you're a 21st century American. Um, look at it from the perspective of you live you know, somewhere in the Middle East uh, 2,000 years ago or more. Um, that's more the, the perspective you should be looking at things from. Is you're going to properly interpret it.
2: And then finally,
0: uh, we have application. This is pretty straightforward. Uh, James, we already quoted the beginning of this, but James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, he says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Uh, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So they're just the, the basic Christian principle of being doers of the word. So you look at the text, you've you've made your observations, you've uh, you've interpreted what the text means, you know what it meant to its original audience, what it means in context. But then you ask the question, well, what should I do in response to the text? How should this change me? Um, is there something I need to do? Is there something I need to repent of and stop doing? Um, is there some change of thought or attitude I need to make based on what I've read in the text? Uh, and also questions of like, how does my situation modify the application? Uh, it may not be that what, you know, what you're reading is exactly what you should do you may simply be drawing principles from the text. You may be looking at it and saying, okay, this person was commanded to do this in this particular circumstance. What's the principle behind that? Okay, well, this is the principle behind that, and I take that principle and I say, well, if I apply, apply that to my life, then this is what I should do. I mean, kind of the classic example that people always talk about is the, you know, the command to put a parapet around your your roof. You know, it's like, well, do I need to do that? Should I put that on my roof? I think no. Um, the context was that was during that day. People spent a lot of time living up there, and there was a danger of falling off. And so, you want to do things to protect life. That's the that's the principle there. And so, uh, if you have a pool, you should probably make it where children can't fall in and drown. I mean, that's you know again just a really common example of where you see a command in the text. And you, uh, you find what the principle is, and you apply it to your life. Because the command isn't just to be taken as, oh, well, I should put a parapet around my roof. Um, that's not really the intent there. So that, just in a nutshell, is application. Any questions or thoughts about any of that? 10 16.
2: It's
0: all pretty straightforward, right? So preparation. Observation,
3: interpretation, application. Hey, Chris. Yes. If I could uh, mm-hmm. make an observation. Yes. Uh, in seminary, one we had a, a guest professor or preacher come in, and he's, he was a very good preacher and well-known and stuff like that. And he came in, and he said that he usually spends about 15 hours a week preparing a sermon, and he said seven and a half hours of that he spends in the first three steps of this. And seven and a half hours he spends in the application. Wow. And anyway the point that I took away from that was is application doesn't come easily. Right. And oftentimes it takes a lot of prayerful reflection yeah. and consideration. So that's just right. something to keep in mind. You, it's, it's easy to have the checklist of the first mm-hmm. three, sure. but you get to that last one, and sometimes it's really hard. And it right. just takes, like you said, don't rush through observation. I mm-hmm. would also say the same thing with application. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. So. Yeah, and it, it it can be
0: very challenging just because of the fact that it's not simply a list of do's and don'ts that necessarily just apply across the board. Is that like we as 21st century Christians, um, and in particular the people here in this room, you know, 21st century Americans, we have certain struggles that we face that there's not going to be any particular commands about those things. I mean, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't tell us, you know, how to deal with, you know, social media in the Bible. Not in a direct way. There are principles that we can find there, but it's so it, it you know, it definitely takes a lot of of work and effort to say, okay, I've interpreted this text. How should I apply it? Um, and making sure you get that application correct, because I mean, there can be a, a strong temptation to um, avoid applications that are uncomfortable to us um or just to make applications that are that are not really appropriate and sometimes try to force those applications on other people um, I mean that's something that you always want to be very careful about I know that like in my own personal life there's there's certain applications I've made from the text that I think that you know that I take as binding on my own life but I'm very careful to never like try to tell other Christians you have to do this this is what the scripture commands even though I think that is basically what it commands. But it's like, I don't think I can necessarily defend that to a degree that I need to bind your conscience to it. So I don't know if that makes sense. But anyway, so it's you know, the application definitely is um, a, a difficult and time-consuming step. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, but. It's hard to give like, oh here's here's how you do your application. It's kinda of, you just have to just kinda of have to work through it. So yeah.
1: and,
4: and Chris to kinda of yeah. with what you're saying about there certain there are sometimes there are applications that are really just more for you. I mean when we've been going through the whole cooliness and uh people struggle with different things in different ways. And sometimes it is good thing to say, Hey, this is an application or maybe I need to cut this out in my life. Because it's drawing me into sin, but that's you can't necessarily
0: apply that across the board. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So, yeah, 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 I mean, like you know, alcohol is one of those things, you know, where it's like um, it's one of those things where you could clearly make a case that like some people are just much better off if they don't drink alcohol at all. Um, But if you start saying, well, no Christian should ever drink alcohol, then you start running into problems. So, But yeah, it's there are things that that uh, aren't necessarily evil in themselves, but can lead some people toward evil, and they should be removed from their lives. Whereas other people can do those things, uh, and since they're not evil in themselves, then you know they're fine. So yeah, that's a that is a good point. All right. Well. Hopefully we have a fair amount of time. It's a relatively short text, so there'll be less reading, but like lots to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to give you uh, about 15 minutes here, and then we will hopefully still have several minutes that we can uh, spend um, discussing what you guys have found. But and I'll just I'll just read the text just to get it all into our hearing. Um, but this is uh, from Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. Uh, it says, And they came again to Jerusalem, and, he was, uh, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me and they discussed it uh, with one another saying if we say from heaven he will say why then did you not believe him but shall we say from men from man uh, for uh, sorry but shall we say from man they were afraid of the people for they all held that John was real uh, that John really was a prophet so they answered Jesus we do not know and Jesus said to them Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So it's a text that probably most of us are familiar with. Um, probably not too hard to interpret, but um, we have, you know, just a, a whole list of of questions and things to look for. Um, and so I just want to give you 15 minutes just to just to try to go through, and you can you can do some some of the interpretive questions as well if you'd like. But the main focus of this is. What observations can you make about the text? So we will discuss that in about 15 minutes.
2: Jesus had saved Saul and transformed him be his witness and his servant. Saul is no different than the enemy of God. Okay? So we're born into this world as enemies of God, just like Saul is an enemy of God. That's the way you were born God. That's the you born enemy of God, and we're blind for our own sin. You're dead to God. All of us were. You were born as many of God. Well, high. I
1: shouldn't I do, do
2: it. Yes. Daddy but that do doesn't have anything to do. with that. the effect of living in a false world, OK? Yeah. Sickness and illness. But, but our hearts, our hearts, guys, that's very our Hearts when we're born are not all oh God Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we're all born as sinners. OK? No. Remember, who is it that chooses? Yeah. OK. So we don't know this way, right? OK. All right. So. All right. Listen, though. Isn't that good? It's only when Jesus changes our hearts, we you up. It's only when Jesus changes our hearts and fills us with his spirit and sets us on the way that we we'll follow Jesus. We all need that change. That dramatic change, right? like Paul, right? Okay? Mr. Bird, are sitting up? We need to have our hearts changed so that we desire to love and obey God. In this man, right? Okay. So, that's my prayer for of these. God would in your prayers and change you and Okay. Let's keep reading. Verses 23, 25. And immediately, this is Saul. Immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Thank Jesus is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man? who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon the state? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? So in other words, they're saying, how can he be preaching the gospel? Because he's the one that was coming to capture us and take us back to Jerusalem. But Saul increased all the more in strength. And he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. What does it mean to confound someone? Yes, to To confound, could be kind of different way, But it can also be, what does it, it sound in other words? It can confuse, right? So have you ever heard something like, wow, that must be true, but that sounds crazy. Okay? And so the Jews are an amazement, right? Um, because Paul was, convincing, Paul was convincing them that Jesus was the Christ, but they just weren't sure. Okay, when many days had passed, though, let's see what happens next, Rachel. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall. Lowering him in a basket. OK? That's one of the pictures you have right there, right? The disciples of Saul, lowering him down in a basket outside the city. Remember, the, the houses were built into the wall. And so they could let him out the window and lower him down the the wall. OK? The, the connect the dots was when Saul was on the road to Damascus, and the bright light was shining. Okay? And then your two mazes, the, the big square one was a maze on the way to the and then the smaller one went to the back. Okay? So, you can work on any of those sheets whenever you like us. doing now, okay? All right. So, now that's, that's pretty amazing. This is the same Saul Christopher, just a few days earlier, was persecuting Christians, and now what's happening to him? He's being persecuted, right? The Jews are one to going to death. Did you notice what else was said about Saul? It said he grew more and more powerful because of the work of the Holy Spirit. So
1: they tried to kill this new follower, Jesus. And how did
2: he escape,
1: Christopher? He escaped by the God's help. Well, God delivered him. How did God deliver him? God delivered him by the Spirit hand. the
2: Spirit and the OK? So that's the way God delivered him from his sins, right? On the road to Damascus when he confronted him with that and changed his heart. But right now, when the Jews were trying to kill him, how did he escape? Through a window. Through a window. Yeah, basket. Exactly. OK? Um, so let's see what happens next. Verses 26 to 31. And when he had come to Jerusalem, Okay, so now Saul has escaped Damascus, right, girls? Okay, he's been let down in the basket over the side, and now he's gone back to Jerusalem. And when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. How do you think that went? Okay, so Saul, who's been the first view, comes back to Jerusalem, where everybody knows him, and he tries to join the disciples of Jesus. And they were all afraid of him. But they didn't believe that he was their friend. <laughs> they didn't pretend, pretend to be part of the way, right? They didn't even find out who <laughs> was really a believer. And then something to But Barnabas, their 27 says, book, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, almost being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. In Does that remind you of one of our early sorry, verses? The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria was okay. So even though Saul is now the one who had persecuted the Christian was now being persecuted, he is spreading the gospel. And they're sending him now to protect him to Tarsus. Okay. So the, the disciple wouldn't let Saul join him at first. Because they wasn't going to be the disciples, right? So Barnabas. Okay. So let's keep reading. Verses 32 to 35. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years who was girl. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ Christ's you, rise and make the bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of the vet and share and they turned to the Lord. And so left Saul. Where's Saul heading now? Saul is going to oh, 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 oh. go He went to Jerusalem, right? And then from Jerusalem, the disciples sent him to Tarsus. Okay? Yeah? To Tarsus, okay? And um, to keep him safe. And as he goes, he continues to preach the gospel. All right? And now, the scene shifts, and now we're looking at Peter. Who is Peter? Tell me a little
1: bit about Peter. -hmm.
2: That's one Peter, but we're talking about the Peter from Acts. Who is Peter? Mm -hmm. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, right? Okay. Peter, then, because he was one of those who had spent time with him and was part of the founding church, Peter was also an apostle, right? Okay. And Peter preached. Do you remember our word message? Peter's sermon as he both home the gospel. do you remember about Peter before
1: Jesus' death?
2: Uh, well, Peter was the one who was going to try to he was going to try to protect Jesus in the garden. So he took out his sword. Dorcas <laughs> was a girl's name. And she was full of good works and acts of charity. What okay, what is charity Uh
1: Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep,
2: that's yep. so the number acts of charity. She gave and purred others, right? In those days, she became ill and she died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to meet him, uh, urging him, please come with us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him, they took him up to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Look the widow, Rachel?
1: Little is the
2: that, um, Cindy. okay. Well, I uh, um,
1: you'll and now Uh-huh,
2: yep. But you can get Yes, yes. So, all the widows, and you remember we talked about the children of the demons. It was because the widows weren't being taken care of, right? And they wanted to make sure that they were cared for. Here, Dorcas or Tabitha was one who had been caring for the widows. Um, they, they stood here, and they were mourning. They were, they were sad that she had died, and they were shown here all these demons or this clothing that and made for them when she was alive. Okay. Um so what can Peter do that
0: All right. Shall we see what uh what has been discovered, what has been observed? put So let's uh let's just start with the the basic questions. Um, with the, the who, what, where, when, and why. So
2: what
0: did what do we find for who? And she
2: opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she said. I kind of came up with two lists the people who are directly involved and then
4: those who were directly. Okay. That's a, that's a good distinction to make. So. <laughs> also, I, you've got the chief priests, scribes, Pharisees, so, and Jesus. Those are the people directly involved in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they question the authority of where Christ uh, gets, and Christ talks a bit about that, well that where he is from God, so that mm-hmm. would be referenced. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, John, also John, the Apostle John, so and he is referenced. And then the the people of Israel in general are also referenced. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. Anybody have anything else there? These disciples are with witnesses to us, even though part Yep, yeah, and you get that from the the plural there in verse 27, and they came again to Jerusalem. So yeah, that's uh yep, that's good. I mean that's it's probably fairly exhaustive as far as like who's mentioned there. So that's very good. Um, what what's going on here?
4: Love talking. A lot of talking.
0: A lot of talking, yes, there is talking. Yeah, just looking at the verbs, a lot of said, Uh some answers, some questions. I mean, Mm -hmm. questions and answers happen, yep. At the beginning,
4: it's uh, that they're coming again to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that kind of goes into the when a little bit.
0: Right. Anything else on the what front?
1: I put. uh, kind of the direct, like, yeah. it's kind of maybe the the actions of the chief yeah. priests and scribes kind of directly flowing from their motivation. They're asking Jesus by what of the authorities, the those Hello. other Hello. things. Um,
0: I'm sorry, I, I caught some of that,
1: so. No, no, you're good. Oh, no, I know I talked a you two with the man up there. Um, I said uh, it's kind of flows from, like, the motivation that the Pharisees were asking the question, but uh, they're asking Jesus, by what authority
3: he heals and preaches and mm-hmm.
1: those other things,
0: right? Yeah. So you could you could then start looking at the questions
3: of like, what
0: what are these things that he's done? Yeah. You know, they're, they're not actually happening in the text, but
3: they're referenced in the text. So yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think the other thing too that's noteworthy is is that Jesus is walking in the temple Mm -hmm. and the religious leaders approach him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't initiate this. Right, yeah, that's a good
0: observation as well. So, yeah, Jesus is walking in the temple and they approach him, so... Mm All right, Um, how about the where? I know we've already kind of touched on that. The temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem, <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty straightforward one there. Um, how about when?
4: It's right after the triumphal entry, but also, more directly, the temple, they've just thrown the money changers out mm-hmm. from the past earlier, yeah. and uh, I could definitely see why they would be asking what authority are throwing these people out uh-huh, Yeah. <laughs> in the
0: yeah, so yeah, we have the triumphal entry, we have the the uh, Jesus cleansing in the temple, those are... Those are, uh, I mean, particularly, like when, I know I said when you were asking the question when, a lot of times it's, you know, in relation to other events. And so, yeah, it's very specifically that's, those are the other events that definitely very much bear on the topic.
4: And th- this is more of a period of time after this, but th- through the th- yeah. the, the vertences in the text but also just chronologically, it's... You can tell this is after
0: the death of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's also very relevant. So, John the Baptist gets brought in, and so it is after the death of John the Baptist that this this discussion is happening. All right. How about the why?
1: A lot
0: of hidden
4: motivations. A lot of hidden
0: motivations, yeah.
4: But the one that does is directly stated is the fear of the people, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, and that motivates how they answer yeah question. Yeah, so their their their
0: answer is 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 motivated by their fear of the people.
1: Like us. on from the earlier verses where uh, you know, their motive for approaching in the first place to kind of. Uh, Kind of credential, you kind know, of like yeah, the credential credentialism. You know, trying to say, well, who are you to do this? Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Uh, about, by what authority do you need to do this? They kind of Trying to put a right in front mm-hmm. yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're basically trying to to make Jesus look bad. Maybe, you know, kind of put him in a in a tight spot where he either has to say, well, you know, my teaching is just for man. Um, so nobody really has to listen to me. Or to come out and say, Well, my teaching is from God, which, you know, they could at least use as an excuse for, for you know, saying, Oh, he's committed to blasphemy
3: and try to make charges against him. Um, so, yeah, it makes you wonder, too, they were sort of thinking that, well, we didn't give you any of that authority. Mm-hmm. We're the ones in authority here, the, the religious yeah. authority. Yeah. We didn't give you that authority, so, you know, where, yeah. where did you get that? Yeah, so. that, that could be a.
0: It basically an assertion of their own authority. Yeah. It's like, well, you have to come through us if you're going to do these things, and you're not doing that. So yeah, that's, that's a good one as well. Anything else on the why question?
1: I mean, there's
4: a whole lot that could be said, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but it's more thinking of the interpretation. Say that one more
0: time. Yeah, it's more getting into the interpretation Right. right. the context of sure, sure. Right. Okay, well let's let's uh, and I, I'm not gonna go through these uh, individually, but just the things to look for. What what are what are some things you, you guys found you know, from that list? Just grab some some interesting ones.
4: Well the keyword and key subject together very much it is on uh, the authority of Christ. Yeah, authority is a big one, for sure. I'm kind of going back to what I was saying. Say. Um, what was interesting to me with the questions and answers and then going back into just the hidden motivations, um, the follow-up question that was never asked that they were saying, Why then did you not believe them? Mm-hmm. And Really, when you look at the rest of Scripture, it's, they don't want to lose. He was challenging their authority. He was challenging their sinful hearts. Mm-hmm. He was challenging their sinful traditions that they had propped up, and they didn't want to lose those things. They loved their wealth mm-hmm. rather than God. Right. And it's uh, but that that part of that hinges on that key question: Why then did you not believe John mm-hmm. the Baptist? Right. Yeah.
0: Very good. Anything else? Anybody come up with anything for comparisons?
4: Well, Jesus compared his, uh, the authority to the authority. I mean, he, he didn't compare himself to John, but he compared where his authority came from. Mm-hmm. That's the same places for John's right yeah so you have those parallels
0: of like the authority of Jesus the authority of John yeah asking that question mm-hmm. anything else how about just the question of where the authority comes from it's like you've got on one side you got from man on the other side you got from God so there's there's two sides there um, obviously contrasting things there um, Anything unusual or unexpected in the text? Anybody I catch anything for that?
4: It's it's somewhat unusual that Jesus doesn't actually answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and definitely definitely catches
0: your attention. Yeah. yeah. he leaves it open ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And, and I, with that. And this is going off this, this particular text, but if you look at the immediate parable that follows this, he basically does answer the question. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? So, you know
1: what?
4: Yeah. <laughs>
0: in fact, you could almost say that he answers the question by asking the question, because there is sure. a certain implication there. Um, yeah. I mean, again, that gets into interpretation, but. Yeah, but there seems to be a little bit of an implication of like, okay, here, you know, here's your two options, um, and if they given the correct answer to the question and said, well, John's authority came from heaven, then I mean, it kind of goes right along with like, well, his authority from heaven. I mean, what did what did John say? It's like, oh, somebody's coming after me. I'm not I'm not worried to untie his sandals. So. He, John pointed to Jesus, and if John was speaking from heaven, well, then clearly Jesus was too. So you
4: know, it's it's kind of like, well, indirectly, the question is being asked, "Who do you say that I am?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, it is.
0: It's very much that same type of question, for sure. Um, yeah, we are out of time, but. Um, I mean, there's there's all sorts of other things that I have here, and probably all sorts of other things you get you guys have there, and all sorts of of uh, neat interpretive questions you can ask as well. But hopefully, that was helpful exercise in kind of just like looking at the types of things you should be doing when you're making observations of the text, and and hopefully that'll be helpful as you continue your study of the word. So let's uh, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we do thank you for your word and. Uh, God, I just pray that you would guide us to be uh, people who uh, walk according to your word, and that we would uh, just cleanse ourselves from all impurity as we seek to, to study your word, and we would set our heart toward it, that we would um, have our eyes opened to see what your word says, to be able to uh, spot the little details, to ask the right questions, to to just delve in and try to, to pull the meaning out and uh, God just we would have a, a proper understanding of your word but that we wouldn't stop there but that we would do the the hard laborious work of seeing how it applies to our lives and God just the, the strength to actually do it to not uh, falter from the the commands that you have given us, so that we would indeed be like Jesus, our elder brother, that we would uh, walk in a manner that is pleasing to you. And uh, God, we just pray that you would do that for your glory, we pray in Christ's name,
1: Amen.